Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
and we know that you are able to bless our children and our children's children and you're able to turn the tide if there's any curses or any things coming against us that you can break those off in the name of Jesus and we ask that you would do that right now and that we would begin to see even more than we have in the past the blessing upon our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren down you said in your word to a thousand generations and we pray that that would begin with each one of us in this room and that we would see that in their lives and we thank you for it. we thank you for your presence in this room in Jesus name we pray amen well good morning church family if you would turn greet one another and make your way to your seats if you're watching us online at home thank you so much for joining us we're thrilled to have you as well Fellowship Church, but if you are a guest or a visitor, we'd love to start by asking you to text us at 94,000, text the word fellowship. When you text that word, it'll lead you through a series of prompts that will help you get in touch with one of our pastors. We can potentially answer any questions you have about the church or just set you up for a tour and an opportunity to connect at one of our future guest receptions. And that works whether you're online or whether you're in person, we'd love to connect with you whenever you're ready. Welcome this 
morning, we are going to uh, take this morning's tithes and offerings, and there's a variety of ways that you can do that. All the directions of all the options are on the side screens. You can drop it in an offering box. You can drop it in the mail. You can give it uh, through the Church Center app, all different kinds of ways. But I was reminded this week of the idea of giving in a moment as a mom, okay? So it's in the morning, righty? It's stressful. All the kids are running around. You're trying to get your kids out the door. And one of my children, who, by the way, is plenty old enough to make his own Eggo waffle, asks me to make his Eggo waffle. So I say yes. So I get the waffle out of the freezer. I toast the waffle. I butter the waffle. I cut the waffle. I syrup up the waffle. And I serve the waffle. But right before I do, I take one bite of the cut up waffle. I don't know if you've ever made this critical error, but this is obviously the way to ruin the entire day of another human being. So he goes through his, ty- his whole rant thing of how I have you know, partaken of his waffle against his will and wishes. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a sec, who made this waffle? Who toasted this waffle? Who buttered this waffle? Who cut this waffle? And who actually bought this waffle? Whose waffle is this waffle really? Like if we're really technical, it's actually me lending you the waffle. It's not even your waffle to begin with. And sometimes I wonder if God thinks of it the same way. Like we think it's my money. It's my resource. I worked for it. I did. But, but really everything we have is a gift from God, the Bible says. He gave us the good sense. He gave us the favor to get that job or maintain that job. He let our alarm clock go off so we would show up to that job. Like every Everything we have is a gift from God. And so when he says, hey, give me a bite of your waffle, we should probably give him a bite of the waffle without the fit, right? And that's what the tithe is. The tithe is a, is a section, a tenth of our resources that we give back to God as a way of acknowledging whose waffle is it anyways. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the blessings you pour into our lives, the way that you give us resources. We recognize and acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from you, and we thank you for it. Pray that you would help us to be wise stewards of it, that we would uh, take care of our responsibilities, and that we would conduct ourselves financially with integrity. And God, we pray that you would pour out. December is a busy and expensive month, and we ask that you would bless us with the resources we need, and even some that we just kind of want to have so that we can be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this video will tell you a bunch of stuff we have going on around the church. Good morning, Fellowship Church, and Merry Christmas. As you entered our lobby this morning, you noticed the angel tree displays, and we have several children that still need to be adopted, something that we do on an annual basis as our church family adopts foster care children who are in need for the Christmas holidays. And so you go to the trees, you pull off an angel, and it has all kinds of different gift ideas for those children. So if you could help us out with that, that would be great. Also, uh, if you've adopted an angel and haven't dropped off your gifts yet, please do so just as soon as possible. Uh, The sooner that we get them, the sooner we can get them to our children. Well, our Christmas Eve services are right around the corner, and we'll be having those services live at 3 and 5 p.m. We will also broadcast a 7 p.m. service for those of you that would like to watch online, maybe work a little later, and still like to be a part of our Christmas Eve services. If you're looking for some gift ideas this year, we've got some really good ones. One is our Fellowship Beanies. They just came in and we have them in our bookstore. They're only $12. And let me tell you, they keep your head really warm and I should know. So if you want to, after this service, go to the bookstore, pick one up. They're great for stocking stuffers. Also, we need some help in our children's ministry from babies all the way up to fifth grade. And if you could help us out, especially in the tough weekends of after Christmas as well as Christmas Eve services, we could really, really use your help. And so if you would like to fill out an application or get some more information about how to be a part of our children's ministry, which I believe is the best children's ministry in the country, come by and see us at the west end of the lobby under the West Pergola. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of the service. Come on now. Pastor Hooper. Yeah. It's not for me. It's not for me. We know. Good to see y'all. Man, we're glad to be here. I'm up here with Pastor Joe Tennyson, everybody. Pastor Joe in the house. 
for those of you who don't know, Joe's been a pastor here on our staff now for how many years? 13. 13 years? Yeah. And then you served, kind of volunteered a long time. A long time. You were around here so long, we had to hire you finally. I, and I appreciate that. And I do. I really do. Yeah. Married to Julie. <laughs> yep. And mm. take a look at a family picture up there. Julie, son Wallace. Yeah. Molly, look at them. Aww. So sweet. Yeah. So sweet. Um, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, and I also I texted with uh, uh, Jaya last night, and I asked how many years combined experience that all of our youth pastors have. Mm-hmm. The youth pastors here at our church on staff that work with a ton of volunteers, but they, they work together, right. and how many years each one of them have been in ministry, and uh, it totaled up to 85 combined <laughs> years of experience working with your middle schoolers and high schoolers. So with 85 combined years of experience, it's gonna be real hard for the teenagers of this valley to pull anything over on them that they That's hadn't true. already seen 100 That's times. That's true. One of the things that I love about Joe, first of all, he's a wonderful person, I just love him, he's just a nice guy. Uh, but he also works with the musicians uh, in, our, in our middle school and our high school, so that means being here 12 years, about every three years, you are retraining freshmen right. or juniors yep. to become the new worship band for 4640. So you are training them, these young musicians, you're making them better musicians, but you're also making them worshiping musicians, right. which is totally different than just being a musician. Yeah. And then, of course, he works with and trains our young people to be on the praise team back there. And uh, he uh, exemplifies what it's like to worship the Heavenly Father and, and make that cool for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so appreciate him so much getting this opportunity to teach with yeah. Joe. Hadn't done this before, but we did get together, go over the material and practice the segues back and forth a little bit this week, a little earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And things went really good when we were doing that until Joe started complaining about everything costing so much more. And I thought, well, I'll let that go. He might be having a bad day. And then he brought it up again. He said, it just seems like, Pastor, everything's more expensive now than it used to be. Trying to get a raise here, you know. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, good luck. So I finally, (laughs) I finally had to tell him, I said, Joe, look, man, if you don't want to pay $20 for parking, if you don't want to pay $10 at the door and $8 for a Diet Coke, then don't come over to my house. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks he's Disneyland or something like that. (laughs) We're on post-COVID prices at the Hooper house these days. Well, anyway, let me jump right on into it this morning. I pray and I hope, and let me me pray first. This is my prayer that this message today would encourage every one of you that are here in the house and those of you that are watching online. This would be an encouraging message for whatever season that you are in in life right now. Let me ask God to do that. Father, we need you and we love you. And Joe and I already told you we'd fall flat on our face if you don't fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us. Give us favor with all generations and I pray that they would hear your word, not ours. We don't have anything to say. You got it. You got the plan and Lord, we want in on it. And for those that might be in a difficult season right now, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Encourage them today. They would leave here completely lifted up. I pray completely on fire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our text takes us to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, where the Bible says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. For God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, watch this. God never talked to them about the wilderness. God talked to them about Egypt, and he talked to them about the promised land. He talked to them about where they were and where they were going. God never brought up the stint and the roundabout way that they were gonna have to go through a territory that he never mentioned. In other words, he kept a certain part of his plan, are you ready, secret. Mm. Things he did not tell his own kids because he thought he, God knew that if they knew what God was about to do, they might not go. Right. So God had to wait till they were into it far enough to where they couldn't go, turn around and go back. So this is what he says in verse 18. The Bible says, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites 
left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Well, there are a number of descriptive adjectives that we can attach to our Heavenly Father to define who he is the best way we possibly can, and those are he's merciful, he's loving, he's full of grace, he's forgiving, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's omniscient, he's omniscient, he is everywhere at the same time. He can do anything he decides to do. He's a way maker. He is a miracle worker, and he is madly in love with you. But there is also an adjective that we can attach to the description of our Heavenly Father, and that is the word unpredictable. He's unpredictable. I'm not saying he's unpredictable in his character. No, that's solid. That stays where it's at. He's unpredictable not in his character. He's unpredictable in his actions when it comes to you and I. In other words, if he wants to do a certain thing, a certain way for Joe, he might not do that same thing or that that same way for me. We see that uh, mentioned throughout the Bible where God uh, would, would speak to a person and they would be healed. And then we see where he would pick up mud, spit in the ground, make mud out of dirt and rub that on somebody's eyes so that they might be healed. We see that there are some times when people would come to him and say, would you please heal my daughter or my son? Immediately they were healed. There were other times like Lazarus when he was, when he was sick and dying that Jesus waited four days before he would go and raise him from the dead. So we see there's unpredictability when it comes to God's actions concerning uh, you and I. God, when it comes to this life, unpredictable. Now, I love the graphic that the guys came up with in back. Uh, when I looked at it and I saw it, I pictured this guy just on a family vacation. I pictured him needing some rest, wanting to get to a beach, be able to uh, create some memories with his wife and his kids, and not knowing that as he looked out over the ocean, a tsunami-sized wave was about to crash down on him. Take a look at the side screen. The course and quality of your life is going to be tied to your ability to handle Mm. what you didn't see coming. Let me read it again. The course and quality of your life is going to be tied to your ability to handle what you didn't see coming. If you can't handle surprises, you will not live well. Well, the text teaches us how to handle different surprise seasons in our life. And every one of us are going to face surprises because God and this life are full of them. A few months back or even a couple of years back now, Joe and his family went through uh, a surprise season that all of the staff were involved in and praying for them. And us guys were watching him and... uh, Man, it was something. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I've always really looked up to Pastor Hooper and the leadership here at Fellowship Church, and not just because of the way they've done ministry, which is, which is incredible in its own way, but also just the way they've done life, the way they've handled finances and a lot of things. And I wanted to be just like this guy, almost. Uh, well, that, <laughs> that rage definitely ain't coming. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So have fun. Right. I'm going to might as well then, yeah, <laughs> going for broke here. Uh, so Pastor Hooper, you know, I think he's sold and fl- like, he's like fixed up and flipped houses since he was like 12 years old, okay? Uh-huh. And uh, so I wanted to be just, I wanted to emulate that when we, when me and Julie got married. So we got married and I was like, Julie, we're not renting. We're going to get into this real estate game because I see them getting into it and this. And so we immediately go buy, a, go buy our house, like first house just a couple months after we get married at 21. And uh we bought the worst house if that was your goal, okay? We just bought like a townhome in Fruta that was overpriced and all of these things. And so we get into this home, we're all excited and thinking, you know, it's gonna be great. And we're underwater in our loan immediately, okay? And so uh, that's in 2010 and the market just kept going down, you know, and that, that, oh, that horrible market crash we had. And so we just decided, well, we've got to stay in this house for a while. Then luckily we were able to get into another house and rent out that townhome. And so we bought a house, kind of fixed it up. A couple years later, we sold it. Uh, then we bought another house 
And we decided we're going to flip that one, uh, you know, do a little fixer-upper, which, by the way, Pastor, how much has Joanna Gaines cost you? Joanna Gaines and Chip Gaines from the fixer-upper show have cost me a lot of money. A lot of money. And a lot <laughs> I of believe money. it. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm, I'm into this, you know, and I'm like, all right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this right. So I gut the kitchen uh, in one night without Julie necessarily knowing that I was going to do that. Uh, <laughs> turns out demo's really easy to do. Wait, wait, and, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> So you, you demoed your kitchen yeah. without your wife's permission. Is yes, that right? She's really great. Yeah. You, mu- <laughs> you must have missed that class, I think. Really. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Renewal and Rescue 4.0, I guess. I didn't, <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't definitely try to go into that one. But nonetheless, uh, you know, so four, you know, I got it in one night, right? Four months, no kitchen with a newborn and a two-year-old. Uh, she's really great. She's really awesome. And, you know, we finally get it done and it's, and it's awesome. And we have this really nice house. And so we live in it for a couple years, but then after a while we decide, you know, let's go ahead and just simplify our life a little bit. Let's sell this house. The plan was fix it up and sell it. We didn't want to, we loved the house, but you know, we wanted to, you know, get into a little bit simpler time, maybe have a little bit more margin financially. And so like we decided we were going to move into our next season and just try and, you know, make things a little bit smaller. So literally we we decided we're going to go back into our townhome. We were living in a 2,700 square foot home and now we were going to move back into an 1,100 square foot home. For people, mine and Pastor Hooper's size, that's tiny home living, okay? Uh, that's the closest I'm ever getting to a tiny yeah, house really. for sure. But, you know, we decided, okay, let's, let's do that. Let's get into that smaller home, less cleaning. You know, we'd be able to go on some vacations to have a little bit more of that financial margin. So we put our house on the market and boom, right away, showing after showing after showing after showing. We're like, okay, this is getting a lot of attention. This is a seller's market. It's great. Let's go ahead and get that, that townhome uh, ready to go. So we asked our renters, hey, would you mind moving out a couple months early so that we can get into it a little bit sooner and start cleaning it up and, you know, and making it ready for us? And they agreed. So I'm in there. So now the townhome's empty and I start you know, painting and, you know, doing all of this stuff. And we start making plans for how we're, you know, for us to move into it all the while continuing showing after showing two months, we had 40 showings on our property, no offers, but do you know how hard it is to keep a house show ready for two months with a two and a five-year-old? <laughs> oh, it, it was just constant yelling at our kids. They were just like, don't touch that. Why is that out of place? But nonetheless, it's a very stressful time for all of us, but we, we did it. Okay. But we had this empty townhouse that we were modeling and this house that we couldn't seem to sell. And we were really struggling on what was happening. We, we didn't understand why this, this house was so much interest, but there was no offers. And we were in this really weird season and we didn't understand what was happening. But then Tuesday, June 4th, uh, 2019, this actually happened here. Um, so that's our townhome and it burned down. <laughs> So it was one of four units and another unit um, caught on fire. It went up the wall of one, one and got in the attic and then it just torched the rest of the homes. Uh, so we get a call and they're like, hey, your townhome we think is affected by a fire. And when they say we think it was at one, you're like, ah, nah, it's fine, it's fine. You know, and so we show up and sure enough, the, they're actively putting out the fire. And we're like, okay, it was our home. Um, <laughs> but I remember the drive home and we, we were we were driving home from this empty townhome that could have had a renter in it, could have had us in it, had things moved along quicker, but it wasn't, there was nobody in it. And we get to leave there and drive home to a home that hadn't sold, that was safe, that wasn't burned down, that had all of our things in it safe. And I just, I just remember going like, I, I did not see that coming. But all of a sudden, all these questions I had, like, like why wasn't our house selling? Why, why was it taking so long? Why couldn't we get along and start moving on with our life the way we wanted to, the way we were planning? And it was like, we, we saw that fire and there was just like a light bulb. And it was just like, that's why, that's why. And what's funny is we, we decided to st- keep the house on the market. We were just like, well, it's still a good time to sell. Let's go ahead and sell it. And we can, you know, figure it out from there. Two days later, after all of this happened, we get two competing offers on our Redlands house and it's under contract just like that. And so it was clearly God's timing with all of that. And we were able to, I went from two homes to no home now, um, but we found a rental and we, and we were able to do that. But it turns out rebuilding a townhome when it's affect, you know, like an HOA insurance, all that stuff, 
it takes forever. It was like 18 months before they were able to get that rebuilt. It was not a quick project. And it turns out, even though your house burns down, they still make you pay for it, uh, which seemed really unjust and unfair. But so now I had rent, I had a mortgage payment, and I had a family that I'm supposed to be like leading into a new season of rest and margin and fun. And then 2020 happens. And I guarantee everybody in this room, we did not see 2020 coming at all. But what was so cool was through all of those surprise seasons that that surprise season, God God got us through it. He really did. So you're trying to flip a house. You've got a condo that you're wanting to sell as an investment property. And now to be able to get a wider margin for you to have discretionary money to be able to spend on fun stuff for your family now all of a sudden you have a mortgage payment tied to that condo. You've got new rent from a renter that you're having to keep your family in and the margin went the wrong way. Yeah, super fun. Wow, super fun, yeah. So here's what I'm trying to say. There are going to be seasons in life that you are gonna be surprised from. Yeah. Joe's been a tither since he was a teenager, him and Julie both. But all of a sudden, here comes something that wasn't in the plan. This wasn't the promised land experience. Wow, now they're 18 months in the wilderness. Well, how do you handle a situation, a season, something you didn't see coming, maybe on the job, in your work, in your finances, in your health, or in your relationship? How do you handle those surprise seasons of life? Now watch, seasons that are out of your control. Seasons that you did not decide. You didn't make the decision. <clears throat> that caused that outcome. You cannot control them, so what do you do? You manage them. Mm. And this passage of Scripture tells us how to manage seasons in our life that we did not see coming. And the first way that we handle these seasons is, call, is, is, is by remembering <clears throat> God's manna. By remembering God's manna. Notice Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. Uh, Rachel, is that your water right there beside you? Would you throw that up here to me? Thank you. Just pitch it. I'll get it or Joe will get it. Oh, there we go. Thank you so much. Ah. Thank you. Do not drink out of my water. Do not touch that. Uh, The first thing we've got to realize is that when the children of Israel were in this wilderness season that they were not even told about, the Bible says that they got hungry. When they got hungry, uh, they asked their father, their Lord, their rescuer, please feed us, and they asked for bread. The Bible says, Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, the Israelites called the food manna. It was like coriander seed, and it tastes like honey wafers. So here this is, we ask for bread, and you gave us manna. The word manna means, what is this? Father, I ask you for a miracle. What is this? I ask you for a blessing. What is this? I ask you that my house would sell. We'd have a margin. (laughs) What What is this? I ask you that the job would be better. What is this? Manna represents seasons in our life. Watch this. Where God's performance does not match our expectations. Manna, what is this, represents seasons in our life when God's performance does not match our expectations. Father, we ask you for bread. Now, I think they might have been expecting like Cracker Barrel cornbread or Jiffy cornbread. What's this? What's this stuff? So it represents seasons, this, and this is the lesson of manna. It represents seasons where God's performance doesn't match up with our expectation. It also, when you talk about remembering the man and out, it represents times when God supernaturally supplicates your supply. Mm. He'll supernaturally come to, to the bat for you, he'll come to help you. The manna would only last 24 hours. God said, you go, you gather it up, don't try to hoard it, don't try to save it. You're gonna rely on me every day and every 24 hours that manna spoiled. So every 24 hours, the children of God had to get up, and if they were going to eat that day, they had to look to God to give them more manna, except for the day before the Sabbath, and then it would last for two days. But God would supernaturally make this happen, and why? Because God wanted them to go through a season where they became crystal clear. 
that he was their source. He was their source when they had little and he will be their source when they get to the promised lands and they have grapes. When they get grapes, will they forget their God? Or will they always have it in their mind that through every season of life, through the good and the bad, the ups and the down, our heavenly father is our source. And when we get to a land flowing with milk and honey that is agriculturally prosperous, when we get there and now we have more than enough, are we gonna forget our God and think that we can do it on our own? Are we going to look back to the source of everything we had when we had little and everything we have now that we have a lot? That is the lesson of manna. The second thing that represents or the third thing it represents is it is a seasonal supply. The Bible says this is one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament because it, it talks about God's exit plan. The Bible says, and the manna ceased. What's that tell me? That tells me that no matter what season I'm in, that season will not last. And this is where I think a lot of God's people get in trouble. They have a problem in their life or a time in their life. They go through a divorce or there's a difficulty or there's an illness or family members are kind of weird or there's a situation at the job or the market is not what we wished it could be or the finances aren't good. And we think, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I'll probably be. And their prolonged season, if they're not careful, watch, because of their mindset and lack of faith, will turn into a permanent season. But this management plan of how God wants you to handle that, which you didn't see coming, surprise seasons of life, or what he does that doesn't go along with what your expectations were, when those seasons come, you can move forward from them, you can prolong them, or they can end up permanent. See, the wilderness was not negative. The wilderness was necessary. Right. It was necessary to prepare them for where God wanted them to go. But if, if they did not handle it correctly, they prolonged it, and they did. And for many of them, they made it permanent. But it doesn't have to be that way. All you have to do is a couple of things, and first, remember the principles of God's manna. Absolutely. So not only do we, do we manage by remembering the manna, we also have to remember good manners sometimes. <laughs> See, if, if we're going to manage a surprise season correctly and be able to move on from it, we need to show appreciation for the miracles we've already received when the miracles we want haven't shown up yet. See, the way, the way he worked that townhome fire situation out for my family and I, uh, how he provided for us, protected us. Was that season fun? No, no, it was not. But, but were we thankful? Yes. W- was that season a surprise? Did we see it coming? No, we did not see that coming. But were we grateful? Yes. Did, did I want to go through that season? No, but, but was it a miracle in its own right that my renters or that my family was not in that townhome when that fire hit? Yes, yes it was. And I had a reason to be thankful. And when in our surprise seasons, we see the temporary provision, whether that be a stimulus check or, or a pay raise or maybe a new friendship <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> we need to show appreciation to our father. We show appreciation through praise and, and praise and appreciation That's just good manners. That's all it is. Just like we want our kids to be appreciative of the things we get. Christmas is coming up. Are you kidding me? Like my kids opened up their Christmas presents and went, huh? Ooh, you better believe it, right? (laughs) They're not getting as many Christmas presents next year, right? But praise, appreciation for the things that we have done for our kids. God's the same way. God wants his kids to show the appreciation, to open up their eyes and really look around and say, you know what? What I wanted hasn't come yet, but what I have I'm appreciative for. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In every circumstance, even in the surprise ones, we should be thankful. See, every Sunday morning, we have an opportunity to show praise and appreciation to God. That first song comes on, you know, and it, and it might get a little loud in here, you know, or, or we might rattle some dry bones or we might be turning some graves into gardens. I don't, I don't know. Whatever that song is, we have an opportunity to choose to praise and appreciate our Father. Psalms 104 says, 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Those doors right there, enter them with thanksgiving. Go into his courts, this place with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Guys, we, we should give him praise despite not being where you'd hope to be yet. We should give him praise despite being surprised by an outcome or a situation we're in. When we do this, we show him, God, you're still in control. And we show him he's still worthy of praise. Here's the truth, guys. We can choose to complain about what hasn't happened yet, or we can choose to praise him for what has already happened. Praise is a bringer of his presence. Something we coined over in 4640 is big praise equals big presence. And this is what that means. If you want to experience God's presence in your life to a greater extent, then we need to praise him to a greater extent in every season. You want to get through this surprise season, this wilderness season without any delays, then praise him. Don't complain, praise. Be thankful in this season. I never thought the words, Father, thank you for burning down my house would come out of my mouth. Wow. But it did. Now in that season, was I caught off guard? <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't, and I didn't know it then, you know, because at first I thought, man, this is, this is going to hurt. This is going to, this is going to take us out. This is not something that I was expecting. And I don't know if we can handle this, but, but as I went through it, this surprise season, I feel like God had another surprise for me. And that surprise was that I was, I was ready for it that I, I had what it took to get through that season. I realized, see, he'd been preparing me. He'd been schooling me. He'd been taking me to school and I didn't even know it. And I had the right stuff to get through that situation. And, and, you, and you know what that stuff was? I feel like that stuff was my, my past experiences with God, God's track record in my life. Because when I looked back at, at all of my life, not you know, my marriage and, and even before, how faithful God has been to me, how no matter what kind of season, no matter what experience, God was faithful, he was good, and he got me through that season. To me, when I looked at my track record with God in the past, it seemed that doubting him in that moment didn't make any sense. It was illogical to doubt God in that moment because he had been so faithful in the past. And for us, when we look back, all of us, when we look back at how faithful God has been, when there's something that hits us that we did not see coming, the logical thing for us to do as his kids is to worship him, thank him and praise him for the things he's already done for us and thank him and praise him for the things that he's gonna do. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, you could have as a young father and husband said, well, Julie, this is it. Looks like we missed God's plan. Looks like a decision to remodel, to flip, to move forward, to put a margin in between what we need and what we, what we make, all those kind of things. Uh, well, it looks like we're just stuck here. And I think many people get there. I think you come to the end of the year and you start running an audit over your life, especially over the past two years, and you begin to think, well, maybe this is it. This is what we'll settle for. This will be good enough, I guess. And pretty soon you take a temporary season of the wilderness, and you prolong it with complaining. And then if you're not careful, you'll make it permanent. But you have a God who will bring you through season after season after season into the blessings that he wants you to be in, that promised land experience in this life till you get to heaven. All you gotta do, just keep going and keep going with an attitude of praise. Here's the truth child of God. If you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror and you saw yourself looking back and then you took a big old deep breath and you began to walk, that means you're not dead. And if you're not dead, your God's not done.
God's not done, church family. That's what we need to remember. And would it be nice if we could always see it coming? Would it be nice if there wasn't any surprises? Yeah, but let's be honest. If we always saw it coming, if we knew what was gonna happen next, would we rely on our father as much? Just like the Israelites in, in the wilderness with the manna, if, if they had all the food right away, they wouldn't, they wouldn't rely on him. But sometimes we don't see it coming. And when we don't see it coming, God just says, surprise. And we have to walk through it. God, I, I didn't see this job change. It, surprise. But God, God I, didn't, I didn't understand. I don't know what's going on with this. What about all these things in, that you've promised me? And God goes, surprise. Just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. God, God, what about all these plans I, I have for my life? Did I, did I, and God's going, did I not tell you about that part of the plan? Oh, surprise. But the thing we always need to remember, church family, always, always is this right here, is that what surprises us never surprises our God. God is not surprised by what surprises us. And even though we didn't see it coming, God for sure saw it coming every time. And I know we're asking, but, but when? When is this season, this surprise season, this wilderness season gonna end? And we all wanna know, when can I move on with my life? When can I take on the next step? When can I get there finally where I wanna be? And I've got the answer for you because pastor told me backstage. The answer is this right here. When is this season gonna be over? The answer is on time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that you are here. God, in every season, you're faithful. Father God, you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God, as we, we look at our life and we're going through this season, Father God, help us to see the manna. God, help us to see the, the miracles in our life that you've already done whilst still being expectant for the things that you're going to do in our life. God, I pray for provision. I pray for you to provide for us in this difficult season. God, we choose not to complain in this season. Father, we choose to praise you in every season and be thankful in every season, in every circumstance. And God, when we don't see it coming, God, we choose to look to you and we choose to see you and what you're doing in our lives. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name. Church said, amen. All right, guys, thanks so much. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.